Book seven, chapters four to seven of ten books on architecture. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Frederick Carlson. Ten books on architecture by Vitruvius. Translated by Morris Hickey Morgan. Chapter four, on stucco work in damp places and on the decoration of dining rooms. One. Having spoken of the method by which stucco work should be done in dry situations, I shall next explain how the polished finish is to be accomplished in places that are damp, in such a way that it can last without defects. First, in apartments which are level with the ground, apply a rendering coat of mortar, mixed with burnt brick instead of sand, to a height of about three feet above the floor, and then lay on the stucco so that those portions of it may not be injured by the dampness. But if a wall is in a state of dampness all over, construct a second thin wall a little way from it on the inside, at a distance suited to circumstances, and in the space between these two walls run a channel, at a lower level than that of the apartment, with vents to the open air. Similarly, when the wall is brought up to the top, leave air holes there, for if the moisture has no means of getting out by vents at the bottom and at the top, it will not fail to spread all over the new wall. This done, apply a rendering coat of mortar made with burnt brick to this wall, spread on the layer of stucco, and polish it. 2. But if there is no room enough for the construction of a wall, make channels with their vents extending to the open air, then lay two foot tiles resting on the margin of the channel on one side and on the other side construct a foundation of pillars for them made of eight inch bricks on top of each of which the edges of two tiles may be supported each pillar being not more than a hand's breadth distant from the wall then above set hooked tiles fastened to the wall from bottom to top carefully covering the inner sides of them with pitch so that they will reject moisture both at the bottom and at the top above the vaulting they should have air holes. 3. Then whitewash them with lime and water so that they will not reject the rendering coat of burnt brick, for as they are dry from the loss of water burnt out in the kiln, they can neither take nor hold the rendering coat unless lime has been applied beneath it to stick the two substances together and make them unite. After spreading the rendering coat upon this, apply layers of burnt brick mortar instead of sand mortar, and finish up all the rest in the manner described above for stucco work. 4. The decoration of the polished surfaces of the walls ought to be treated with due regard to propriety, so as to be adapted to their situations, and not out of keeping with differences in kind. In winter dining rooms, neither paintings on grand subjects nor delicacy of decoration in cornice work of the vaultings is a serviceable kind of design because they are spoiled by the smoke from the fire and the constant soot from the lamps in these rooms there should be panels above the dados worked in black and polished with yellow ochre or vermilion blocks interposed between them after the vaulting has been treated in the flat style and polished, the Greek method of making floors for use in winter dining rooms may not be unworthy of one's notice, as being very inexpensive and yet serviceable. 5. An excavation is made below the level of the dining room to a depth of about two feet, and after the ground has been rammed down, the mass of broken stones or the pounded burnt brick is spread on, at such an inclination that it can find vents in the drain. 
Next, having filled in with charcoal compactly trodden down, a mortar mixed of gravel, lime, and ashes is spread on to a depth of half a foot. The surface, having been made true to rule and level and smoothed off with whetstone, gives the look of a black pavement. Hence, at their dinner parties, whatever is poured out of the cups or spurted from the mouth no sooner falls than it dries up, and the servants who wait there do not catch cold from that kind of floor, although they may go barefoot. Chapter 5. The Decadence of Fresco Paintings. 1. For the other apartments, that is, those intended to be used in spring, autumn, and summer, as well as for atriums and peristyles, the ancients required realistic pictures of real things. A picture is, in fact, a representation of a thing which really exists or which can exist. For example, a man, a house, a ship, or anything else from whose definite and actual structure copies resembling it can be taken. Consequently, the ancients who introduced polished finishings began by representing different kinds of marble slabs in different positions, and then cornices and blocks of yellow ochre arranged in various ways. 2. Afterwards they made such progress as to represent the forms of buildings and of columns and projecting and overhanging pediments. In their open rooms, such as Exedrae, on account of the size, they depicted the facades of scenes in the tragic, comic, or satiric style, and their walks, on account of their great length, they decorated with a variety of landscapes copying the characteristics of definite spots. In these paintings there are harbors, promontories, seashores, rivers, fountains, straits, fanes, groves, mountains, flocks, shepherds. In some places there are also pictures designed in the grand style, with figures of the gods or detailed mythological episodes of the battles at Troy or the wanderings of Ulysses, with landscape backgrounds and other subjects reproduced on similar principles from real life. 3. But those subjects which were copied from actual realities are scorned in these days of bad taste. We now have fresco paintings of monstrosities rather than truthful representations of definite things. For instance, reeds are put in the place of columns, fluted appendages with curly leaves and volutes instead of pediments, candelabra supporting representations of shrines, and on top of their pediments numerous tender stalks and volutes growing up from the roots and having human figures senselessly seated upon them. Sometimes stalks having only half-length figures, some with human heads, others with the heads of animals. 4. Such things do not exist, and cannot exist, and never have existed. Hence, it is the new taste that has caused bad judges of poor art to prevail over true artistic excellence. For how is it possible that a reed should really support a roof, or a candelabrum a pediment with its ornaments, or that such a slender, flexible thing as a stalk should support a figure perched upon it, or that roots and stalks should produce now flowers and now half-length figures? Yet when people see these frauds, they find no fault with them, but on the contrary are delighted, and do not care whether any of them can exist or not. Their understanding is darkened by decadent critical principles, so that it is not capable of giving its approval authoritatively and on the principle of propriety to that which really can exist. The fact is that pictures which are unlike reality ought not to be approved. 
and even if they are technically fine, this is no reason why they should offhand be judged to be correct if their subject is lacking in the principles of reality carried out with no violations. 5. For instance, at Trolls, Apaturius of Alabanda designed with skilful hand the scene of the little theatre which is there called the Ecclesiasterion, representing columns in it and statues, cantors supporting the architraves, rotundas with round roofs on them, pediments with overhanging returns and cornices ornamented with lions' heads, which are meant for nothing but the rain-water from the roofs and then on top of it all he made an episcenium in which were painted rotundas porticos half pediments and all the different kinds of decoration employed in a roof the effect of high relief in this scene was very attractive to all who beheld it and they were ready to give their approval to the work when lysimenius the mathematician came forward and said that the alambandines were considered bright enough in all matters of politics but that on account of one slight defect the lack of the sense of propriety they were believed to be unintelligent in their gymnasium the statues are all pleading courses in their forum throwing the discus running or playing ball this disregard of propriety in the interchange of statues appropriate to different places has brought the state as a whole into disrepute let us then beware lest this scene of apatarius make alambandines or abderites of us which of you can have houses or columns or extensive pediments on top of this tiled roof such things are built above the floors not above the tiled roofs therefore if we give our approval to pictures of things which can have no reason for existence in actual fact we shall be voluntarily associating ourselves with those communities which are believed to be unintelligent on account of just such defects seven apaturius did not venture to make any answer but removed the scene altered it so that it conformed to reality and gave satisfaction with it in its improved state would to god that lysimnius could come to life again and reform the present condition of folly and mistaken practices in fresco painting however it may not be out of place to explain why this false method prevails over the truth the fact is that the artistic excellence which the ancients endeavoured to attain by working hard and taking pains is now attempted by the use of colours and the brave show which they make an expenditure by the employer prevents people from missing the artistic refinements that once lent authority to works eight for example which of the ancients can be found to have used vermilion otherwise than sparingly like a drug but today whole walls are commonly covered with it everywhere then too there is malachite green purple and armenian blue when those colors are laid on they present a brilliant appearance to the eye even although they are inartistically applied and as they are costly they are made exceptions in contracts to be furnished by the employer not by the contractor I have now sufficiently explained all that I could suggest for the avoidance of mistakes in stucco work. Next I shall speak of the components as they occur to me, and first I shall treat of marble, since I spoke of lime at the beginning. Chapter 6. Marble for use in stucco. Marble is not produced everywhere of the same kind. 
In some places the lumps are found to contain transparent grains like salt, and this kind, when crushed and ground, is extremely serviceable in stucco work. In places where this is not found, the broken bits of marble or chips, as they are called, which marble workers throw down as they work, may be crushed and ground and used in stucco after being sifted. In still other places, for example on the borderland of Magnesia and Ephesus, there are places where it can be dug out all ready to use without the need of grinding or sifting, but as fine as any that is crushed and sifted by hand. Chapter 7. Natural Colors as for colors, some are natural products found in fixed places and dug up there, while others are artificial compounds of different substances treated and mixed in proper proportions so as to be equally serviceable. 1. We shall first set forth of natural colors that are dug up as such, like yellow ochre, which is termed okra in Greek. This is found in many places, including Italy, but Attic, which was the best, is not now to be had, because in the times when there were slaves in the Athenian silver mines, they would dig galleries underground in order to find the silver. Whenever a vein of ochre was found there, they would follow it up like silver, and so the ancients had a fine supply of it to use in the polished finishings of their stucco work. 2. Red earths are found in abundance in many places, but the best in only a few. For instance, at Sinope in Pontus, in Egypt, in the Balearic islands of Spain, as well as in Lemnos, an island the enjoyment of whose revenues the Senate and Roman people granted to the Athenians. 3. Paritonium white gets its name from the place where it is dug up. The same is the case with the Melian white, because there is said to be a mine of it in Melus, one of the islands of the Cyclades. 4. Green chalk is found in numerous places, but the best is Smyrna. The Greeks call it Theodeteion, because this kind of chalk was first found on the estate of a person called Theodotus. 5. Orpiment, which is termed arsenicon in Greek, is dug up in Pontus. Sandarak in many places, but the best is mined in Pontus, close by the river Hypenus. End of Book 7, Chapter 7